I used to think uh, composers are basically improvisers, but with a great deal of patience to actually write things down. But I think everything comes from uh, improvising initially. That's award-winning English composer Roger Hewitt, who is back in town conducting the music he composed for Cirque du Soleil's Corteo, happening at the Footprint Center in Phoenix. We sat down to talk about his career and inspiration for this amazing score. I'm Melissa Green. Welcome to another episode of Heart of the Arts. So uh, you're an award-winning composer, arranger, you're a pianist, and You've had, how long have you been music director with Cirque du Soleil? Um, with this show, actually, it was the first show I started on. So 2005, I actually was the original musical director on this particular show. Okay. So I, before we get to the Cirque du Soleil, kind of the main topic of today's chat, I wanted to ask a little bit about your musical background because you said, you know, there was a fire lit when you were young as a teenager and it was like film and television so can you tell us you know what some of those first pieces or you know some of the stars that kind of lit that fire yeah man that's a that's a question i haven't been asked before i would say um yeah when when i was at the high school in norwich england by the way where i grew up um most of my friends in class were listening to rock bands and things like that i was strangely sort of not so much into that i would go out and purchase uh, soundtrack recordings of musicals um for i have no quite understanding whatsoever i think i just love the full orchestral sound it was it was always as well the film versions of musicals and not the uh not the stage versions because i just love that full sound that comes out and uh so that was an inspiration for me, and that sort of uh, uh, had me listening to a lot of orchestral works and delving into the classical field a little bit and studying orchestration uh, uh, in my hometown college and university. I always get asked the question, like, do conductors play instruments? Like, you know, so I, I'm assuming, you know, I'm like, every conductor can play piano probably play piano or violin. Piano is your main instrument, correct? Piano is my main instrument. Yes, that's right. I started playing when I was six years old, started privately. Um, I got to the usual age of about 12, 13, where I sort of uh, lost interest a little bit. I, I remember skiving off a piano lesson and going to the library and being found out a week later because it was the week my teacher should have been giving me the bill. So she dropped it off and said, uh, I hope Roger's feeling better now. And I was like, oh dear. <laughs> so I was found out completely busted. And, and after that, I kept on track all the way through and uh, ended up following this through as, as my career. Mm. Um, I went to Norwich City College, um, but I didn't actually graduate there because mm. I ended up uh, already joining bands and uh, uh, things like that in my local area. And my first position was actually when I was 16 years old. Um, playing for a, a dance school in my hometown. Mm. So I learned to improvise there because uh, the teacher first, uh, it, was the, it was the school where my sisters used to go, my two older sisters, so I kind of knew the teacher a little bit. Um, but so uh, she gave me this big pile of music and uh, I, I was sort of like, too lazy to go to her and find things. I could tell by the way she was counting what she was wanting, the length, the approximate speed. And I would just improvise. I was doing that at the age of 16 and she loved it because the music was nice and fresh all the time. And I ended up playing, uh, when I moved to Canada in uh, the late eighties, I was playing for the, uh, uh, the, the Grand Valley Canadian in uh, Montreal. So it's sort of kind of a flashback to what I was doing when I was a kid. And it was, it was great uh, to, to be back in that field. Wow. Yeah. When I, I mean, I haven't seen the show, but when I listen to the trailer, I feel like, cause you know, I've seen a 
uh, Cirque du Soleil show, you know, and I just felt like the um, there was a really full sound, kind of like you were saying, you just loved that full sound of the orchestra, um, the percussion elements in the music. It's very vibrant and the music seems so interesting. Um, and I wanted to ask a little bit because, mm -hmm. yeah, you're touring again with um, Corteo, yes. which has used um, established in 2005. You kind of stated that your experience kind of your experiences help you decide which notes you're going to use, how things should appear. So can you go back and maybe tell us how you approached this specific story? Um, especially for people who aren't familiar, because I'm not super familiar with this story either, but is it kind of a little mm -hmm. bit about almost like a remembering of their life? You could say that, actually. Yeah, the, the central character is, a, is an Italian clown called Mauro. And he's like, um, we actually refer to him as the dreamer clown. So he's not actually necessarily experiencing what it is that uh, he may be, you know, and that's sort of left in the air. Mm. He's, he's imagining his funeral. I guess he's feeling lonely or something and just imagining what goes on, uh, uh, the people from his past life and uh, just dreaming a little bit on that that uh, that level as to... Uh, it's a lot of flashbacks. It sounds a little bit of a morbid subject, but it's actually, a, mm -hmm. it is indeed a celebration of life. He meets his former family and friends and everybody come and, uh, comes to see him. And we see a lot of his relationships, how they were formed in the past as well and how they impacted his life uh, where he is right now. So, uh, mm. so the music was, um, we actually had five composers on this, of which I'm one. Uh, and it was the one of the, the, the initial composers that uh, asked me to, to participate in this. And I took on the, the contract of doing the arranging as well, which is why um, uh, we, we ended up with the, the orchestral, uh, sorry, the, uh, the musical ensemble that we have right now, which is a nice vary. It's, it's, it's a, a sort of, uh, let's say, I could go back to the inspiration behind Daniele Finzi Pasca, who's the director of the film. Um, Ooh, okay. A lot of Fellini, so there's there's a lot of influence from a Nina uh, Nina Rotta that used to write the music for a Fellini film. So there's very much a heavy sort of circus influence um, with what we what we have in the way of instrumentation: guitars, accordion, uh, saxophones, clarinets. Uh, so it's a nice full sound that we can produce anyway. And um, once we settle on that, then uh, I sort of intertwined the, the orchestration uh, elements into it to make it sound a, a full score. Back in the days, there was not so much in the way of technology that could back up to fatten up the sound. So uh, our eight-piece band does in fact play live. Uh, if, if our computers go down, uh, we can still play the show, which is very nice, and we still get a really nice full sound, and it's, it's lovely to work under those uh, circumstances. Cool. I find myself being so when I'm watching a show like this I'm just so fascinated about like the artist's life that they come and mm -hmm. do this production for a living you know yes so what is it like though for the musicians and yourself when you're in the pit you know are you first approaching this like a almost maybe like an opera performance where you have to condense the score on a piano how does that whole process start um 
No, not really so much that. I. Uh, that's a tough question to answer, actually. It's a very good question, <laughs> mind you. But, uh... No, I, yeah, like <laughs> you said, you were, um, you know, you've got the eight-piece band that can always play. And sometimes I just get yes. curious about the life of everyone who's going through rehearsals and... Yes, that's right. As, as musicians, we're fairly lucky because um, we, we're less involved in the daily training that goes on with the acrobats. Uh, we're more focused on the show. So we're very much providing more of a more of a service, more or less, to the show. Mm. Um, just to lay out on Corteo, uh, it's the only Cirque show that has a, the stage in the center uh, of the arena. So we still retain that intimacy. We have an audience on both sides. Mm-hmm. For 90, 99% of the show, as we can do a one-sided version, but 99% of the time we're, we're divided into two. So we don't actually have a single musician pit. We have four musician pits mm. uh, on each corner of the mm-hmm. stage, um, which poses a problem because, I mean, uh, I'm 100 feet apart from, from some of the musicians, yeah. and some of them are completely obscured from my vision. So, oh, wow. so uh, directing the show does involve there's not so much physical because if they can't see me it's not much use i do give a few little uh, visual cues um but most of it is done um verbally i'm talking all the way through the show we're all glued to the performance on stage Mm. um which varies every single day it's a very organic show Mm. uh out of the 4500 shows or something has been performed now i've done about 3500 of those and uh, the musicians, once they are in the show, they, they've already got the music memorized. They listen to the counts, they know the sections, mm-hmm. and they have their eyes peeled onto the stage so they, they know exactly what's what's going to happen. If something goes wrong, they can very quickly pick up what I'm likely to do at this point, and we'll hold a, a chord, just vamp a little bit, then move on, whatever. So it makes every performance very, very interesting from our perspective, yeah. as opposed to doing, say, a standard musical where everything is fixed all the way through. Yeah. Um, it's, it's what keeps it very interesting. Yeah, because I feel like it's a more, it, this t- production is more of a personal experience very and much maybe so. makes the audience be a little more introspective than other shows. Yes. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. So I've had people come to me at the end of the show and sort of like, that made me feel like going out and hugging my neighbor. And I was really, really oh. touched by that. It's sort of, cool. and it can, it, it gives you a really nice boost. Um, uh, yeah. In, and, and certainly the musical uh, aspect of it as well, because we, we have so much freedom within the parameters that we have to, to explore a little bit. There's plenty of gaps where each of the musicians get, uh, musicians get a chance to, to shine in what they do very well. So we, we can, uh, bring out the best of their abilities too, which which adds to the interest of everybody involved. Mm-hmm. So you talked about your experience as a teenager performing and improvising. How much did that play, you know, a really big part in your abilities? You know, I just feel like that's kind of a, you got your own schooling by just having that life experience. I love that. Um, when it comes to, I, I think um, when I was in my late teens, I was I was considering pursuing a career as a as a solo classical pianist because that that was where I was doing uh, uh, pretty much a lot of. But I was, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I was a pretty lazy person. If something wasn't quite underneath my fingers, I would alter it, you know, and that's that's not really kosher enough to be able to to be a professional uh, solo classical yeah. pianist. So, I, I, you know, that's that true. sounds pretty much the same. I'll try this fingering, you know, but, um, but it does, uh, it does give you the, the, the ability to just, um, 
I, I don't know. I find even during the show, I'm sort of adding little cello lines that sort of come out in the middle and sort of just just uh, intricately uh, adding some little uh, pseudo counter melodies as well that come along. But having the ability to just yeah to improvise the the chord structures or whatever, knowing where everything goes and how you can um, maneuver around uh, these these various uh, aspects, then uh, that that goes a long way. I find that's something that I've, I've never regretted. But I still use all my classical technique. I still scales and everything all over the place, and it's uh, I'm feeling pretty lucid for my age. <laughs> Mentioning age, like you started this in 2005, it's 2023 now. How do you look back at the music that you composed? Yes, um, actually, the the very first pieces I composed for the show was purely luck because the main comp- there was there was none of the other composers were there and the director was there and he said okay I need this uh, I need a I think it was a an organ there's a little sort of like a like a big concert organ stuff that goes on in this so you know, a few little references and uh, so so I just played something and he said okay that's perfect so that that sort of thing just stayed in the show that actually began as an improvisation and. Uh, but because of that, and because of the, the the place where that is in the show, sometimes it's a place where it's not an acrobatic section as such. So I have a little bit more freedom to play around with the timing, and uh, mm. uh, I'm following an artist on stage through a lot of this stuff as well. So I'm, I sort of play around. It's nice to have the flexibility to be able to uh, to move around. Mm-hmm. I don't think I answered your question at all, did I? <laughs> <laughs> no, you did. I that yeah, I wanted to know like how you approached it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So what are those thoughts that kind of went through your mind and how did you kind of internalize things to be the composer? Yes, I I think it does still all come back from uh, I used to think uh composers are basically improvisers but with a great deal of patience to actually write things down but i think everything comes from uh improvising initially um the the music of course has basically has progressed over the years there are some things that have stayed pretty much uh, put but even as the band changes uh the sound changes and and i look back i'm, I'm still very proud of the music that i that i have done for the show even though i'm playing it nightly it's still it's still a nice thrill where these moments come in the show um i recently composed uh, i was approached in november december of last year to to uh, to compose a, a 15 minute little suite of music prior to the show as the audience uh, is entering um and uh, i i after so many years on the show i had a massive amount of inspiration i turned this lot out in about uh in about three weeks, um, sent it to the musicians that were on a tour break, so still to use the uh, the musicians of the band. They recorded their parts, sent them back. I went into a studio, we mixed and mastered, and now it's playing a pre-show, um, pre-every show. And, and whenever, obviously, I get a chance to listen to that like every night, you know, and, so, <laughs> and it's sort of like, ah, okay, you know, I am sort of knowing that. But, I, but I'm still very proud of what's out there and... Uh, uh, really super happy with the way it sounds. I find a lot of it is the collaboration from the other musicians, and also in this particular case, the uh, knowing I'm mixing for a, for an arena, so the sound has to be right. So there's a lot of input from the from the mixing and mastering uh, mastering engineer as well. Well, I was curious if you go out to um, see live music performances, kind of what your favorite thing to go out and see. It's difficult to know what's going on. That's very true. Um, I haven't honestly, since we've been back in North America, I haven't honestly been out that much. Uh, 
I'm also finding that when we arrive in a place, uh, basically we, we do a week at a time, you know, in, in each arena where we are. So by the time we arrive, we're sort of recovering from the past weekend, which probably is not a, a day of transit, whatever. Um, just this past Monday uh, in San Francisco, I was uh, seeing a little improvisation concert called Circles, Circle, uh, Circle Songs, sorry, featuring Bobby McFarren. And, uh, and our uh, whistler, we have a professional whistler with us on the show, got on stage to, uh, to whistle. That was a nice little treat for this past week. But I've been known to go out to, when, when we were in Europe, and you know, out to uh, orchestral concerts. Uh, yeah, but Hamburg, I think it was, yeah. And I, I've seen, an, uh, I can't remember where it was. I think it was Vienna where I actually went to see an opera in Vienna as well. So tried to take into something a little bit diverse, different from the show, yeah. So what are the highlights of the show that you would like our listeners to know? Oh, about? I would say the very first 15 minutes of the show are really, really captivating. It starts off with this big neo, neoclassical sounding uh, procession of everybody coming in. Uh, the clown is, is laying on his bed sort of dreaming and he, he does get up and move around and participates with the characters. So it's not too creepy. But it's a really good, we, we're, the, the curtains are still down, we're looking through the curtains, the curtains go up at the end of that, and then we see the audience on the other side, which is always a surprise as well, uh, because it was like, oh, there's, there's another bunch over there, you know. Um, that is immediately followed by the big chandelier act, which is uh, three beautiful chandeliers moving around uh, with, uh, with the young ladies hanging off them, you know, which is supposed to be former relationship, uh, relationships with, uh, with our, our clown, our hero. And then uh, we've got uh, kids bouncing around on beds, which is great for the uh, for the children. All this is within the first uh, 15 minutes of the show. And then uh, you can just settle in and, and let it go uh, where it takes you. Yeah, there's there's beautiful moments towards the end of the show as well, when there's a there's a climax going on. And that's that's a real tear jerking moment. I had the pleasure of writing the music for that. And I always have a lump in my throat when um, when we reach that point in the show, because it's like, yeah, the moment. And can you touch a little bit on your work with like the BBC or one of your other maybe most cherished experiences? Because you've produced for like Disney too and all of these. Yes, big yes. Yeah. So I'm composing. Um, probably the, the biggest, it's funny because it sounds so long ago now, but for me it was just prior to coming on Corteo. But uh, yeah, one of the biggest orchestration jobs I did was for a uh, Paramount film, uh, Double Jeopardy, um, with Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Ashley Judd. And that was a fabulous experience. That took me over to Paramount, where I spent the week there uh, recording uh, 88 musicians um, and played the piano on there as well. So that that's nice when when I still see references of that coming up. And I think, yeah, that was a really good movie. But now it's like uh, so long ago, it's hard to believe. The show has taken up so much of my time. I did some French-Canadian movies uh, um during a during a period I was away from the show so that that sort of kept my hand in and I'm I'm looking forward to moving on to doing some more uh, next year. I I really enjoy the uh, the film scoring and compositional side of things. What qualities do you have that kind of make you a good conductor and what qualities do you think, you know, maybe oh Leonard Bernstein had this quality though. That's those are bits and pieces. Oh yes, I'm I'm, I'm very much old school. I mean, I, I travel around with a. I've always got a manuscript paper and, and a pen, and occasionally, even in the middle of the night, I'll just like, oh, have an idea. I'll just write down a few measures and uh, just enough to 
to get by because uh, yeah, I've had experiences where okay, I remember that and wake up the following morning and it's completely gone. So I always have a, a little notepad around and uh, yeah, just just old school manuscript paper, notes and pen, and uh, to sometime hopefully at some point to uh, elaborate into something. For- so uh, my last question: Where are what advice would you give to young conductors? Because it sounds like you had such great real life, worldly experience. I mean, really just throughout your whole career. That's funny, actually, because Leonard Bernstein would be for me, uh, uh, so I wrote, I wrote his name down earlier wrong, because so I was thinking, just in case you ask about inspiration, he, he for me would be uh, um, well up there, actually. I love his approach to education and uh, the way he, he approaches these, these large groups as he's done in the past. I'm thoroughly looking forward to the new uh, Bradley Cooper movie that's coming out uh, soon, so. I've had a, a really good life playing music and uh, a little bit of teaching I've done in the past. And I realized I'm, I'm not going to make the best teacher. I don't have the most amount of patience for that. So I'm lucky to have been able to get where I am in life and uh, and basically performing and doing what I love to do. So so that's uh, that's really good. Um, listen, just basically listen to what makes you happy. And uh, I, I used to purchase scores when I was a teenager as well and follow along and uh uh, I fell in love with the uh, Schubert string quintet, you know, and had the score sort of all memorized. I loved the way the cello theme comes through halfway through the first movement. And I just, so I just like learn to listen to what makes me feel good and happy. And uh, and then these days, just watching what's out there, uh, watching conductors, how they, they, they uh, certainly the orchestral conductors, how they operate. Some of them sort of upbeat and some of them are more on the downbeat. I pref- uh, personally prefer the way Leonard Bernstein conducts because I think I would be able to follow him myself. As a pianist uh, that was brought up more in the, the pop jazz uh, world, um, not strictly classical, uh, when I played with uh, the Montreal Symphony Orchestra sometimes, I would be the one that would come in before the downbeat because uh, I missed it. So, oops, I'm so sorry, uh, everybody. Let's try that again. You know. <laughs> That's award-winning English composer Roger Hewitt. He composed the music to Cirque du Soleil's Corteo, happening here in Phoenix, September 13th through the 17th. You can find tickets and more information at CirqueDuSoleil.com. I'm Melissa Green. Thanks for tuning in to KBOX Heart of the Arts.